to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Have you found 1 Corinthians chapter number 4? Let's start reading in verse number 15. We've been reading this. Uh, remember before I, uh, Pastor Debbie preached last Sunday, heard she did a good, in fact I watched most of it I think, did a good job. Praise the Lord. If you still love her, say amen. amen. But uh, before that, I was doing a series on spiritual fathers. And that's not a strange thing. Sometimes it's strange to people because they haven't heard much about it. But it is in the Word, and we want to look more at it this morning. Let's look at verse 15 of chapter 4 here. 1 Corinthians 4, 15. Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, you have not many fathers, <clears throat> for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Of course, we know the Father God is our Father, spiritual Father in heaven. He's the one that gave us the new birth. He's the one that sent Jesus and redeemed us through Jesus, and there's nobody trying to take the place of Him. But uh, when he said here that he was, Paul said he was a spiritual Father, he wasn't saying he was taking the place of God. That, that can't happen. Nobody can do that. I mean, there's no person even close to being able to do that. Nobody gave you your new birth or anything, but they can uh, cooperate with God in His heart towards you to father you, so to speak, in uh, bringing you up in spiritual things. It's no more strange for a person to be that, to take that role than it would be for a person to take the role of a pastor whenever Jesus is actually the good shepherd, or the word shepherd translates pastor. Uh, a person can teach you the word, but that doesn't mean they're the Holy Spirit who is the teacher. So we're not trying to take the place of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Nobody can do that. Anybody that tries, they come woefully short. You understand that. But there is a, uh, there, there is a part of God's heart toward all of us, all of us, ministers, every one of us, that, that He wants us to be matured. Go over to First Corinthians, not, not First Corinthians, Ephesians here, the fourth chapter. We've been looking at this. We won't take the time to look at all of it. Just recapping a few things. Praise the Lord. If you're here, say, I'm ready to receive. Fourth chapter of Ephesians, it says then, uh, verse number uh, 11, He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, that means maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Saints do the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto uh, a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So measure of the stature, we would say the full maturity of Christ. Do you know it's possible to mature all the way to the fullness of Jesus' maturity? <laughs> I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. But uh, he said that's what we were shooting for. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children. That's talking about spiritual children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. So all these terminologies, grow up, not being children, uh, that we be perfected, that means maturing. These are all terms to talk about spiritual growth. <clears throat> we need to, every one of us is born a spiritual baby. There's no such thing as being born, you know, uh, you know the Kirks are about to have a baby. That baby won't be as mature here as Brennan. Isn't that right? Praise God. So he's going to mature. <laughs> Thank God they said. Uh, so that's the way we're born spiritually. We're born babies. You know, babies, uh, they come into the church. They get born again here or whatever. We don't expect near as much out of them as we do people that have grown spiritually. Amen. 
And that's the way it is naturally. You don't expect anything that they're going to have a new baby. You don't expect that baby to know their ABCs yet. You don't expect them to feed themselves, to go take a shower when they need it, you know. No, no. I mean, all that's done for them. And that's the way we are spiritually when we get started. But as we grow, we develop and we, we go, move out of those babyhood stages. Well, uh, that's uh, what the role of a parent is. A parent is there to, to grow that child up. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, that child has to eat themselves. They have to <clears throat> exercise. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, we were out there in, in uh, Colorado, and I just got to tickling uh, Chibi's feet. Boy, he got to going. <laughs> I said, you got to do that to grow. You got to grow. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I mean, they got to exercise. They got to eat. And that's the way we grow. We got to eat the word and grow spiritually by exercising, acting on the word is ex- exercising. But uh, to do that, uh, we have to get us started. We have parents, don't we? That baby doesn't feed themselves. Uh, they don't know how to exercise. If the parent gets them going, gets them walking, you know, and so forth. So we've got to be, uh, God is our Father in heaven, but it always helps us to have somebody to help us. Well, that's revelation, isn't it? It helps us to have somebody to help us. That's so deep and profound. If you meditate on that, you'll get the deep meaning of that. <laughs> Tell your neighbor it helps to have help. Yeah, anything that we're doing, it helps to have a help. But um, so that's what this role of a spiritual father is, is somebody to have a, long, a long-term relationship. Uh, there might be people who, like a, a high school teacher, or really it starts out in elementary school, that comes into our life for a season and goes out, but not the parent. We have people that speak into our lives in many different ways to help us. You know, we learn from elementary teachers. We learn from all kinds of people. We, we learn from the coach down when we play soccer, you know, on the team or whatever. We learn a lot of things from a lot of people, but they're not permanent relationships. This fathering relationship is a long-term relationship over a period of time. And it's there to give us a more spiritually mature view of things. How many of you have raised children? Did you find out yet that your children don't have a mature view of most things when they're three, four, five, amen, 16, 21, amen. They just think it's cool to burn rubber all the time, you know, till they got to pay for the tires. Then they don't do it so much. So, you know, that's the reason you're telling them, don't burn the rubber like that. Stop that. I got to pay for those, you know. Amen. And then a father doesn't go burn rubber himself and show him how to do it. I mean, have you? Oops. Well, that's the way a father is. A father is not just showing a person how to do something, but it's somebody that models character or spiritual development or or something, and so it's somebody that, it's a closer relationship, it's not something that can happen from a distance, because you can't model character or model, model uh, integrity in ministry or, or things like that from a distance. You have to be closer to catch things, and that spiritual fathering relationship is a closer relationship. Paul called the whole church at Corinth uh, his spiritual sons, actually back there in 1 Corinthians 5, or excuse me, 4, we just looked at it, the verse after that, Paul called Timothy a son. 
Paul called him a son in many places. Titus, he called him a son. He's not trying to take the place of God. Nobody can do that. I just want to clarify that because people, they get off on this. There's no human being that's even capable of doing that. But it is somebody that can have that kind of heart that God has to, to father and mature and develop over a period of time. Amen? Somebody said, well, all I need is Jesus. Well, to get saved, you're right, but not to grow up. He gave these five-fold ministry offices for us to grow up. So we've been sharing much about that. How many of you have been learning out of this series? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So um, when it comes to spiritual, being, being a spiritual father or having a spiritual father, we've talked a lot about what that means. And I want to talk today about how to be a true spiritual son. Amen. Daughter, son, you know, it's all, I'm, I'm using that as a generic term. How to be a true spiritual son. I mean, how many of you know the scripture both gives us the principles and examples of true spiritual sons? It also gives us examples of false spiritual sons. And we're going to look at some of those examples this morning. Amen? Those who are fathered are so, uh, are so either because there is a, spot, a spiritual father available and they, oh, excuse me, let me say it the way I wrote it down. Those who are fatherless are so either because there is no spiritual father available or there is no spiritual father wanted. Because it takes a commitment to this kind of relationship in a different way than other relationships. And there's going to come opposition against these kinds of relationships. Because it's easy to have relationships for a week, a day, a month, you know. How many of you are married? How many of you know it's easy to be married for a day? A week. But it takes something, it takes a higher level of commitment to make it through some of the tough times that come. Amen. Praise God. People that make it in marriage, they're to be honored because they, 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 are, they have character. You know, there's people in the world that have enough character to stay put with the same, with the same person. So anyway, it takes a uh, commitment to, the, to make this kind of relationship succeed. Hallelujah. And if you can throw away your spiritual father, whoever that might be, then, then that's not a proper son. It takes commitment to actually be, be mentored and grow up. Hallelujah. Either way, these individuals that are, either don't have a spiritual father because there's none available or they don't want one, they, they are orphans. They're trying to just let God be the one who teaches them everything. And you know as well as I do that like a natural child, you can't do that either. You can't just say, well, if they've got anything, God and them will make it all happen. God and them will make a success out of their life. When you've got a little baby, you can't just say, God, I'm just going to let you train this baby. You have to, God, gave, God put you in that baby's life to train that child. Same is true spiritually. We can't just turn a spiritual baby. Brother Hagin said this one time. I think, if I remember right, Jesus said this to him in a vision. I don't remember all the details of how the Lord said it to him. But he said, I'm going to hold churches accountable for the spiritual babies that are born in their church that they didn't bring along and, and love on them and pray for them and encourage them and so forth and so on. Now, it's, it's people's choice whether they're going to respond to that, you understand. But we're responsible to not just, like, like the Kirks, they're not going to just have a baby and say, well, if this baby has anything, it'll grow up. It'll turn out to be a wonderful prime example of a Christian. No, it's going to take training on their part. Same is true spiritually. God uses people. How many of you found out God uses people? He finds people who He can use, and He uses them to bless our lives. And we want that. Amen. You know as well as I do, if there's not a father or a mother role in a child's life, they learn things the hard way. 
if they ever do. Sometimes they never do. So God's plan was that there be natural mothers and fathers as well as people in our lives that can play that role of ongoingly bring us forward spiritually. Can you say amen? That's a different kind of relationship than just a, a teacher who from time to time you learn something from. It's an ongoing thing. Hallelujah. So it requires, requ- it requires commitment from both parties to see the process through to the end. It requires time. It requires patience. It requires effort. There's change necessary over the process of the relationship. Say that word, change. I know we all have to do that, don't we? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a process of changing sometimes to make the relationship work. It, uh, don't make the mistake of rejecting this relationship before that need is supplied by a spiritual father. <clears throat> this... Uh, Prime example here, the Kirks are going to have a baby. That baby can't say, well, I'm five years old now. I don't need mom and dad anymore. Really, they need, that child's going to need mom and dad for the rest of their life. As they grow, they'll need them less and less in a more uh, everyday manner because now they're going to be, as they grow older, they're going to be able to put into practice on their own what they learned. But still, they need the time time to go back and say, Dad, what about this? You know, I just, I need some help here. That's all right. Amen. So, uh, praise the Lord. So it takes uh, a commitment. Don't make the mistake of rejecting it before all the supplies met. To understand how to be a true spiritual son, we must under- <clears throat> excuse me, understand the principles of honor. <clears throat> Go over to 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> um, we're going to look at a verse that applies, that, that, that the Bible gives us in relation to loving God, but it's a principle that it applies in different ways. 1 John chapter number 4, let's notice verse number 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love, or excuse me, he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? <clears throat> how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now, people say, I love God, but they don't love other people. They don't walk in love towards other people. That, that, the truth is they're lying about it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Remember Jesus said, in the way you've done it, the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. Yes, so uh, that principle is true about love, but it's also true about relationships in different ways. It's true about honor. It's a principle that you could apply to many different, different things. Let's put it this way. Um, but if you carry no honor in your actions or your attitude toward your brother, but you say you honor God. You're not telling the truth. Because you can't love somebody or honor somebody that you can't see if you don't do it for somebody you can see. Amen? So um, sometimes people say, I just honor God, but you know, I don't need any other man. Well, if God put a man in your life or a person in your life, that person, if you honor them, you're honoring God's work in your life. You're working with God rather than working against Him. Amen. Amen. Elisha, remember we looked at him. He refused to leave his man of God. Praise God. Be unwilling to cut short a relationship that God is having uh, bring blessings into your life ongoingly. Amen. Commit to covenant relationships. God designed them to help you grow and reach your end. Paul said, I long to see you and impart some spiritual gift, to the end, you might be established. Paul was their father, and he was going to helping them go all the way to the end. Amen. Amen. 
It takes commitment. How many of you know there are situations that happen in people's lives that they, because of uh, whatever, abuse or, or whatever situations go on, they're now afraid of commitment. We met a lady here uh, one time. She started coming to the church and she was <clears throat> getting blessed and helped. She really appreciated it. People in the church started loving on her and becoming acquainted with her and helping her, encouraging her. And uh, she got to the place where God spoke to her about really committing to the congregation. Not, not us saying anything or anybody else preaching at her, just God spoke to her. And, she, and, and actually, she got so afraid of commitment. Actually, what God said to her is, I want you to go up there and I want you to tell Pastor Jay and Debbie that you're committing to this congregation. You're committing to you as, I'm committing to you as pastors and so forth and so on. It wasn't coerced. How many of you know coercion is a totally different thing? This is just something God's telling her to do. She came up trembling, afraid, because she knew that, uh, uh, how afraid she was of commitment. Well, she lasted for a few more weeks and then she was gone. We reached out to her and loved on her, but she was so bound with fear about commitment that uh, she just was separated from what God told her to commit to. Can you see what I'm talking about? Don't let the enemy do that. Put your foot to that kind of thing. It doesn't matter how many people have done you wrong. Amen. I'm getting better amens, you know, over here. How many of you over here are still happy? Amen. Otherwise, you'll be stunted in your spiritual growth. Have a heart to stay close and pay the price to be fathered. Amen. You can't get things afar off. I want you to go over to Acts 2 here. We're trying to get to something, but let's real quickly go to Acts 2. I want you to notice something. Maybe I missed this for years, but it's, uh, it's in here. How I many of you ever missed something that was right in there? Acts 2 talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're familiar with this a little bit. Where Peter was, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, and remember the people all thought, you know, they were drunk. And Peter said, no, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. Look at here in verse number uh, 16. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days. Verse 17. Saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Then he goes on, talks about pouring out his spirit on handmaidens and so forth. Well, you know, we're in this day right now. This is the outpouring. Well, actually, that was the beginning of it. This is, we're wrapping it up here in the end of the church age. The outpouring of the spirit. Praise God. Aren't you glad? This verse says, though, it's sons and daughters who will flow in the supernatural. They will be the group who will spearhead this era. I read that for years and never saw that. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now notice, he didn't say that he wouldn't pour out his spirit. Notice he said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. But that didn't mean all flesh will know how to cooperate with it. Not all flesh will know how to operate in the gifts of the spirit and the supernatural. But when it comes to sons and daughters, he said, they'll know how to operate in that. They'll, they'll operate in prophecy, he mentioned. Isn't that right? Isn't that good? I never saw that. It'll be those who will be willing to be sons and daughters who will know how to flow with the Holy Ghost and who will fulfill their ministry and then lead in this era. Tell your neighbor that's good preaching whether you know it or not. There are many who start out operating in the gifts of the Spirit because they're not fathered, like Saul in the Old Testament. They will end up shipwrecked in their ministry. 
God tried to mentor Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament, through Samuel. But he got too big for his britches. Couldn't listen to his spiritual father anymore. And what God had anointed him actually to walk in, he lost because he wasn't a true son. Well, that's one of the examples in the Bible of how not to be a spiritual son. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I, I saw this with Brother Hagin. I saw it a number of times. Brother Hagin started calling people forward, letting them be used, and then he'd have them preach at his camp meeting, and then they, others' ministers are inviting them, and then they become well-known, and the church grows big. They get on national TV, and all of a sudden, they, 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 they start bucking Brother Hagin and start saying, well, I don't agree with that. I, amen. They forgot who brought them where they're at. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I saw it. I watched one man, the Lord said, watch that. A lot of people think he got off later in life, but he didn't get off later. He got off whenever Brother Hagin sat there. He was, the Holy Ghost was moving, and he's sitting there sitting like a, a tarred telephone pole. He wouldn't yield to the Holy Ghost. Brother Hagin walked over and, and, you know, it didn't hit him, but it just touched him on the head, side of the head and said, yield to the Holy Ghost. He just sat there. See, he's a big shot now. Within a couple of years, he's up publicly on TV talking against Brother Hagin. His church is about half what it was. Hello? Not a true son. Well, keep the car ready, Brother Ike. We're leaving right after this. See, Saul did that. He got too big for his britches. Now he's the big kingpin. You know, there's always somebody uh, more mature than you. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So because Saul wasn't a son, he, yes, he started operating in spiritual things. In fact, go over 1 Samuel 10. I'm going to take a little more time on this. I want you to see this, just so you don't think it's just me. 1 Samuel 10, notice here, verses, well, I won't read verses 5 through 12, but Samuel told Saul, now here's what I want you to do, because you're not equipped to operate in what God's plan for your life is, to be king. You're not equipped. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to go to a certain, certain place. You're going to meet a certain group. And I want you to join that company, and they're going to be having a, church, a Holy Ghost meeting. They're going to be prophesying, to have a, a tambourine, and they're going to be singing songs in the Spirit. You read the fifth, I mean the tenth chapter, fifth through the twelfth verse, you'll see that. And then whenever he said you join up with them, the Holy Ghost that's on them is going to get on you, and you're going to be turned into another man. Saul did that, and he was turned into another man. Now he's equipped because he got connected right. He's equipped. He listened to his spiritual father. He got it connected right. And now he's getting equipment to stand. Because remember, he was so shy, he was hiding before they anointed him to be king. He, how, how are you going to have a king that can't even say, hi, everybody, you know? I mean, he needs some help. So that anointing was imparted. and He's, he's listening to his spiritual father, and God's helping him through his spiritual father. Then notice, he started to prophesy, and then notice what it said. Verse number 12. One of the same place answered and said, because Saul now here, he's, he's prophesying. They said, well, who is this? This is just the son of Kish. He's not, uh, he's not among the prophets in verse 11. And one of the same place, verse 12, said, answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore it became a, a, a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? In other words, who is their spiritual father? Isn't that what they're saying? In other words, who's the covering for this spiritual display? They wanted to know if those prophesying had someone to oversee their ministry as a spiritual father. They wanted to know if it was sanctioned by someone seasoned in spiritual things, such as a spiritual father. 
Can you see what I'm talking about? You know, I don't have anybody in here that doesn't have somebody like a pastor to speak into their life. They can't stand behind this pulpit if they can't submit to somebody else. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. Those that are gifted come a dime a dozen. But those who are submitted to others to let them speak in their life, they're as rare as precious gold. Hallelujah. I thought you'd say amen a little louder, but I, I guess it's hard to eat and, and say amen at the same time. I guess it's... <laughs> Hallelujah. So um, sometimes churches will allow just anyone to come in and move with the gifts of the Spirit. But those who are spiritual or discerning, they'll say, who's this person accountable to? Well, I'm not accountable to anybody if the Holy Ghost moves on me. Well, you big baby. You didn't get that from mom and dad. Oh, you mean you don't have? Oh, that's where you got that. I see where you got that. You're a rebel. You're a lone ranger. You don't submit to anybody. Because you're the big, you know, savior of the body of Christ. You're the big honcho. Amen. It's tight, but it's right. <laughs> I want to know who's pastoring the people that stand behind this pulpit. Because if they can't submit, then they don't, scripturally, they don't have the right to be an authority. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. You need someone in your life who knows more about the anointing on your life than you do. You need somebody in your life. You didn't catch that. Say it out loud. I need somebody in my life who knows more about the anointing on my life than even I do. Do you know that a spiritual mom or a dad will even know more about what's on your life than you do? Do you know more about what's on your child's life than they do? Of course you do. You start seeing them develop in math and so forth, and you say, wow, look at that. And they're still talking about wanting to be a fireman. You know what I'm talking about? You know more about what's on their life than you. I said you know more about what's on their life than they do. And that's what you need in your life. Somebody who knows more about the anointings and the giftings and the treasures that are in you than you do and will help pull it out. You know, we don't see things that those who are more mature see. Saul, King, I mean, not Old Testament King Saul, but Saul in the New Testament, his name was changed to Paul. He was struck down by that bright light. Remember? He's on the road to Damascus. And now he, he, he can't see physically, not because of blindness, but because of a, a temporary suspension of his sight. But not only could he not see physically, he couldn't see everything spiritually. He, didn't, he knew some things that were going on, but he didn't know everything. And God sent another man to help him see physically, but also help him see spiritually. He said, God, even Jesus, that, I mean, Jesus that, that appeared to you on the, on the way has sent me to receive your sight and also to tell you you're going to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he started telling. See, he saw more than what Paul even saw. We need people in our life that see more than what we can see. Someone said, God's all I need, just somebody to see. Well, see, that's not the way he works. We are the body. Remember, we talked about being connected. Connected. We're joined in their supply where we're joined. Praise the Lord. Now, so we need those kind of people in our life. So we can see more clearly, see spiritually. There are things that we don't see as clearly as others. I mean, that's true about all of us. It's not a, it's not a slam on any of us. It's just the reality because as we grow, we see more. We understand more. The Lord said to me one time, He said, the more you grow, the more you're going to see where people miss it. But also, the more you grow, the more you'll walk in love and you won't be so hard on them. I said, I get it. I get it. 
Praise God. I'm glad people have been patient with me. So I endeavor to be patient with others. Praise the Lord. So to be a true son, there are certain characteristics you must display. A certain kind of heart towards your spiritual father to truly be fathered. Let's go over to Philippians chapter number 2. i got so much here, I'll try to get this out this morning. This is going into a series. We're already working on it. This is a landmark. Remember the Lord said this is a watershed moment. So that just simply means we're taking more time with this than just passing by it a week or two. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter number 2. Let's notice Timothy here. He's a spiritual son. Philippians 2, 19 through 22 says, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, Timothy's Timotheus, that I also may be of a good comfort when I know your state, state or condition, how you're doing. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Well, you can see here Paul said Timothy is just a chip off the old block. <laughs> I mean, that's a term we use, you know. If you've seen Timothy, you've seen me. In fact, that's why I sent you Timothy, because really I couldn't get there because I was doing some other ministering some other places. But I sent him because, you know, he'll just share with you what I would share. He's not just got the message, he's caught my heart. You've heard us say many times, stay close. I'm not talking about physically. Although it includes being around, you know. You know, some people uh, can come to church, and because they're not pooling, it's as if, I'll ask after the service, was so-and-so there? So I said, they were there. Oh, okay, okay. I just, they just didn't stand out in the crowd. Do you know whenever you're pooling, you stand out in the crowd? That means you're catching something. You're catching something. Amen. I realize from time, you know, you, you just as, as a human being, you can't notice everybody all at once, you know. But if that goes on and on after week after week, I say, where, where, where has so-and-so? I haven't seen so-and-so. Somebody said, well, they've been there. Oh, okay, well. I guess they just haven't been pooling, you know. <laughs> just sharing how it works. Just. And it's good for you to come back there and say hi to us because sometimes people don't say hi for, you know, there's some people that never come back there and say hi. Do you know there's a reason for that? Oh, okay. I just wanted you to know. Yeah. Uh, trust in the Lord. He said, I'm going to send Timothy. I know I have no man like-minded. In other words, these are rare people who actually catch the way you think. Like-minded about spiritual things. Who will naturally care for your state. In other words, he just, he just caught it and he's just like me. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. The things that uh, he's, he's interested in their well-being, not just, a, you know, his whatever personal interests you know verse 22 for I know the proof of him he as a son with the father he hath served with me in the gospel Timothy is an example of a true spiritual son tell your neighbor I want to follow good examples hallelujah when you saw Timothy you saw Paul so what that means is true children are always uh, will always have some traits of their father and they're not ashamed of that Amen. They'll have some traits of their father. And it's a compliment to them to be identified as some of the things that your father walks in, you walk in. To them, that's a compliment. 
It's not like, oh, I want to be a self-made man. I don't want to be like anybody else. I just want to be recognized for my own talents and my... I don't want to... See, that's not a true son. Amen. Uh, true, false sons, there are false sons. You know, there's true and false of everything. True prophets, false prophets. True pastors, false pastors. There are true pastors, I mean, true sons and false sons. Um, but false sons, they despise the comparison to their spiritual father. They thrive on their compliments of uniqueness. People make compliments how unique you are and you're a self-made man and all those things. How independent you are. Amen. We notice your hard work and you're this or you're that. Amen. Well, anyway, praise God. They're saying amen a little bit, Lord. I'll see if they like the next one. <laughs> amen. Now with me, go over to the book of 2 Timothy 3 here. Just a little bit more information about Timothy. We could spend a lot of time on Timothy, but <clears throat> for time's sake, let's just look at one more. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. We'll look at verses 10 through 14. Paul speaking, he said to Timothy, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. Manner of life means lifestyle. You know, some people, they sit and get a message in a service, but they don't watch close enough to see the lifestyle of somebody who walks in anointing. You can't play golf all day and jump in the pulpit and have an anointing ongoingly. God might bless you for a little while because He's trying to help people, but that's not because you're, you're the one that He's blessing. He's blessing the people. Anyway, just a few little things. <laughs> so get, get to know somebody's lifestyle. What about their commitment level? I mean, you know, are they spending all their time on hobbies? Are they, are they just lazy and, you know? Praise God. Stay close enough, you'll catch that kind of thing. So he said, thou hast fully known my doctrine. Yes, but he got, he got more than that. He learned his lifestyle. He learned, uh, T Timothy watched Paul's level of discipline. Amen. A lot of folks, that's where they miss it. They don't get the discipline. Yeah. They just think, well, everything's by grace. You know, I'll just go out and just go to the bars on Saturday night and come in and preach a good sermon on Sunday morning. That, that's not discipline. And God can't bless that ongoingly. Sometimes people say, well, I don't understand. That person was living in sin and God's anointing was still on him. Yeah, but it, did, it eventually will catch up to him. Yes. It'll catch up to him. Yes. Anyway, so my, you know my doctrine, my manner of life. Purpose. See, that's talking about motives. Faith. Long-suffering. In other words, putting up with people. Charity. Patience. Patience means perseverance. You notice there's two terms there, long-suffering and patience? Long-suffering is how you treat people. Patience is how you treat circumstances. Endurance in the middle of circumstances. But long-suffering is how you treat people. You suffer long. In other words, when you're hurting and you want to leave the relationship, you just put up with it. I mean, there comes a time. It can, it can cost the relationship, but you understand. Persecutions. In other words, you watched how I endured through that. Afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Hallelujah. So he stayed close enough. This word here, notice verse 10, thou hast fully known. Fully known. You got close enough to fully know it. Know it fully. Some of those that are young in the ministry, you say, I want you to be my father. I wish I could get you closer so I could fully share some more things with you. 
You know, there's a lot of things I won't share with the whole congregation because it's not necessary. But I will take some spiritual sons who are loyal, faithful, and I'll use circumstances and I'll train them with it. I'll say, now, you didn't know this, but I want you to, I want to explain how I handled this here. We were one time, I know if you want an example of this, the Lord's given me a number of times during this series and haven't got to it until today. But uh, there was a minister that uh, uh, really went, got into aviation. He's, he's got a traveling ministry. And he got into aviation. But I knew in my spirit, he's not there in faith. And I knew why he stepped out early because of, I won't get into it all, but he got into aviation before he was there in faith. And I said to Brother Ike, I said, now, I'm not using this to, I said it to him before it even happened. I said, I'm not using this to talk about somebody. I'm using this to train you. See, and I said, now, I want you to watch this because, now watch how that happened and why he did that. He didn't do that because of his faith. He did it because of another reason. And I want you to watch what happens because I want you to understand how to not get ahead of your faith. How long was it? Two years or so? Within two years. He had to sell the plane. He was trying to get out of it and not lose all his money you know, and everything. Finally, God had mercy on him and through somebody else got out of it. And I said, whenever it happened, I said, I, I told you ahead of time. Remember, I told you ahead of time. He said, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm learning, Pastor. I'm learning. See, if people would stay close enough and they're loyal and don't, don't think I'm talking about somebody. But just using the illustrations to say, here's how this, why this won't work. I tell Brother Ike a lot because he came to me and he said, I want you to be my father. I said, well, I told the Lord I didn't much interested. Many people have said that. But God said to me, no, he's a true son. Notice that term, true son. So I said, all right. I started pulling him in. I started explaining things to him. I said, now here's the reason I do this. You notice whenever I'm around Dr. Dufresne, I don't do near as much talking as whenever I'm, you know, by myself or others. He said, yeah, I noticed that. I said, you notice how I get him going? You notice how I push his buttons? Yeah, I see that. Amen. And I just train, I, I've trained him, trained him, trained him. He's the only one ready for ministry in this congregation because he stayed close enough to get it. Now, that doesn't mean that, some of it, that, that everybody else is behind. It's just that he, got, he jumped in quick. You know, Brother Ike, he gets in with both feet when he gets into something. Forget the devil, forget the world, forget everybody else. I'm going with what God says. Some of you dilly-dally a little more and it takes you longer, but you'll get there. You know, I, the Lord told me one time, He said, I remember, because I was being, you know, in my heart, I was being, you know, critical of some of you who called me dad. And the Lord said, you remember how it took you two years of Rama to just get into healing school? You didn't have the faith to get into healing school, prayer and healing school. While you were going to Bible school. I said, yeah. He said, see, it took you time to get it. And really, Rama, I put you in Rama to get something out of you. I put you in healing school and prayer school to get something into you. You weren't ready after Rama. I said, I knew that. But I didn't know what to do about it. He said, I put you in prayer and healing. He said, that's the way some of your sons are. It's just taking them time to get there. Amen. So I said, all right, Lord, I have mercy on them. Amen. Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ever watch people get in a swimming pool? Some just say, here goes. <laughs> Woohoo! They go right in. Others, it takes them 10 minutes, you know. They suffer the whole time. Some people, they just get this over with. Pow! <laughs> However, just make sure you get wet. That's the only thing. You getting anything this morning? So Timothy stayed close to where he caught. Notice thou hast fully known. The knowing there is an intimate term, more intimate 
than just casual conversations or, or you know, acquaintances. It is, a, it is an intimate relationship. In fact, I'm not trying to, you know, this is not talking about a sexual relationship here. This is a pure thing here. But it is used, this term known is used in the sexual relationship between a man and a woman. Don't go weird on me. I'm just saying that's the kind of, of not, not uh, physical, but spiritual relationship that Timothy and Paul had. Amen. Well, praise God. Did you get anything out of that? That's a characteristic of a spiritual son. Now, um, for time's sake here, let's go uh, look at some other characteristics of spiritual, uh, some other examples. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, Elijah and Elisha are examples. Elisha refused to leave his, spiritual, his man of God. When Eli- we read this last time, so I won't take time to go there in 2 Kings 3, but uh, Elijah, kept, Elijah was going to go to heaven, and he kept telling Elisha, now you stay here, I'm going over here. And he said, no, I'm, I'm staying with you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, some of you are catching this. You're, you're actually coming to some of our meetings on the road. Yeah. Praise God. I uh, don't know, I'm trying to check my spirit here on saying something. Uh, because, you know, if those of you who aren't at the place to do it yet, you, you don't have to be con- live in condemnation about it. But there is a, there is a uh, uh, mentoring in ministry for some of you who goes, that goes beyond the pastoral office. And you need to be around me in the other office. You understand? That, that's just the best way on how to say it, and that's as much as I'll say right now. Hallelujah. Brother Ike, am I telling the truth? You've been out there with me. Not trying to draw attention to him, you know, without drawing attention to others. It's just everybody here knows. He's an example of what we're talking about. Amen. And uh, Brother Ike won't let you criticize me around him. He says, wait, 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 before you go any further, everything you say right now is going right to pastor right as soon as you're done. Well, he's just a yes man. Yes, man. He's a yes, man. <laughs> See, the modern day church doesn't know how to submit and they don't know how to respect. People criticize him for being a puppet and cowering to the will of others. But all that is is jealousy for those who have paid the price that they are unwilling to pay. Selah. Amen. So Elisha would not leave his man of God. You know, for those other guys over there that said, here's what's going to happen. He said, just hush up. I know that. Amen. Hallelujah. The other sons who weren't the sons of Elijah, they were sons of other prophets. They had studied their writings, but Elijah wasn't their father. Amen. Amen. They didn't stay close enough to get anything from Elijah. Hallelujah. And whenever Elijah went, he didn't say, my mantle, my mantle. He said, my father, my father. In other words, I love the man. It wasn't the mantle, just the mantle, the mantle. It was the man. Amen. He loved the man. He didn't want to see his father leave. Amen. It wasn't, his heart was not for what his father could give him. His heart was to be a blessing to his father. And that relationship was more valuable to him than anything. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he also got the mantle. And he knew how to operate in it. Because he knew, remember Elijah went across the water, he smoked the water, and that's how that operated for Elijah. He stayed close enough to watch that. And whenever the mantle did fall, you know, he he didn't enjoy watching his father leave, but he he was time, you know. But then he picked up that mantle and he said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? He knew how to function in that mantle because he stayed close enough to know how. See, he was called to the same office. Elisha was called to the same office as Elijah was. If you're called to an office, find somebody who walks in that office and stick close. Somebody God connects you to. Amen. Pastor Nancy in California, I mean in Colorado, was talking about a lady that God spoke to her about. Uh, they were guest ministers at their church. This is a number of years, quite, quite a few years ago. The Lord spoke to her and said, ask that lady that came to be the guest minister, ask her privately, when are you going to be obedient in the prophet's office? Well, later she did. She asked the lady. And uh, she said, you need to stick close to the brother. The Lord told her to tell her, you need to stick close to Brother Hagin. She was close to another minister. But she was called to the prophet's office, so she should stick close to a prophet. Amen. I'm sharing things, you know, you just don't hear every day. But the Lord told me to do this. So, You understand? So stick close to somebody who walks in what you are supposed to be walking in and let them mentor you. Let them build you right on the inside to function in that anointing. If you're, if you're not called to be an evangelist, don't stick real close to an evangelist. Now, people hear that and they say, oh, you're against the That's not what I said. That, 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 they're a blessing in their place. But if you're mentored in, in something that you're not called to, it'll cut your life short. Find somebody who's got character that follows Jesus. Remember Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Make sure they're following Jesus real close. Not not following a man without somebody following Jesus. But if they're following Jesus real close, doesn't mean they won't make mistakes, but they're following Him with their whole heart, you know. And uh, that witnesses with you, and you're called to something, then stick with them. Amen. Amen. Well, anyway, then you'll know how to follow, uh, you'll know how to operate in the mantle if you're called to that. He took the time to receive impartations, Elisha did. Hallelujah. And then he could fulfill his destiny because he took the time to do that. If you need to, spend money to get around your man of God. Amen. People don't understand that. They value money more than they value an impartation. Amen. Amen. Every dime I spend is worth every dime to be around my my supply where I learn things. You know, it's saving me a lot of heartache. Yeah. I get around them. The Lord just spoke to me about something else. He said, now, well, I was out there. See, sometimes the Lord won't speak to you until you get around your man of God. Yeah. I don't know why it all works that way. Yeah. Just that he has to see you before he can impart. The Bible says that in Romans 1. So anyway, I got out there and the Lord said, all right, now, concerning this, I want you to watch this because the enemy is going to try to tr- use that to trip you up. Oh, man, that's going to save me a lot of heartache. Yeah. I saw the whole thing. I won't divulge more information than that, but it's just like, Ooh, thank you. I needed to get around my man of God. Praise the Lord. Helps us, doesn't it? Those that have a more spiritually mature view. Now, Paul was a, 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 you could say, a spiritual father to Timothy, but he was also a spiritual father to Titus. Titus 1, 4 through 5 talks about that. <clears throat> so, um, in 2 Corinthians, let's go to 2 Corinthians about Titus. Everybody still here? 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 
You didn't know there was this much in the Bible about all this, did you? <laughs> I'm not criticizing you because I didn't either. The more I get into this, the more I realize, oh, I can't finish that in another two weeks. How long is it going to be, Lord? 2 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 17 here. Verse 17. Uh, did, I, did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent to you? I desired Titus, and him, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked ye, we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Look at that. Titus, had the, he's a son. He had the same spirit about things, and here he's talking about money. You know, verse 17, did I use anybody to make a gain of you? In other words, to get money, trying to get money out of you. He said, did Titus do it? In other words, he walked in the same spirit and the same steps about money as I did. Because he's a son and I trained him how to think about money in ministry. Amen. Through those years of impartation. Who knows, maybe Titus got up to receive the offering one time and Afterwards, Paul said, now, I want, you, I want to share something about how to do that. Or who knows how he did it. You know? But he caught some things. Amen. So sons take the time to be around their father. Hallelujah. And they don't want to leave until they get all those deposits. Not just the anointing, but they're thinking about things. Remember, like Paul said, you're like-minded, Timothy. They're th- catch their thinking. Catch their heart. Praise God. I get around certain people. I remember one time, I could, I could share this. Uh, Brother Higgins was, was the one that God brought me up under. And the way he handled money was very uh, conservative. People use that term conservative. But see, the Lord told him whenever he was in heaven in that vision, he said, be careful about money. Amen. He didn't say, be careful never to have any. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, be careful about using your anointing to get people to give to you. Jesus told him, just pass the plate, just... Just say this is the offering and, you know, exhort them about giving or something. But don't, you know, don't do like, make demands and so forth and so on. Anyway, I, that's the way Brother Hagin brought us up in school. You know, he taught us about those things. But then as the Lord started revealing prosperity more to me, I started listening to other people. I'm going to just share something with you that, that uh, happened to me. And I started listening and they, they had something on them that, I didn't recognize it as covetousness at the time, but it was. In fact, the Lord had to show me what it was. I'll never forget the longest day I lived. We were driving somewhere down to the southwest to preach. And uh, I think maybe Arizona or somewhere, but anyway, somewhere down there. And I'll never forget it. We were driving, you know, how those long roads out across across the desert are down there. And I'll never forget, we were going back and forth. Pastor Debbie was driving because I had gotten tired. And I fell asleep over in the side of the car. Then I woke up. And I said, Lord, as soon as I woke, sometimes just when I wake up is when the Lord speaks to me. I don't know why all the time. Maybe it's just because my mind finally got quiet. When I woke up, I didn't even, hadn't, didn't even open my eyes yet. Didn't even ask her, where are we, or anything like that. I woke up, and I just looked down. I just have a habit of doing that when I wake up. Just wake up, look down in my spirit. I looked down in my spirit, and I said, Lord, there's been something in there. I don't know what it is. I cannot describe it, but there's been something in there that I don't like and the Holy Ghost doesn't like. I don't know where it came from. He said, it's covetousness. I said, well, where'd that come from? He said, through listening to these certain ministers. I repented. I said, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. It wasn't that they all, everything they said was bad, but they had a taint about some things. You understand what I'm talking about? 
You know, how many times have you seen me get up and say, the anointing's here to get a hundredfold? I think twice in two, two, uh, 11 years of pastoring. That's because the Holy Ghost said it was. Y'all here? You're going home. <laughs> See, the Lord said, now you get back to where I connected you about money. Amen. Come on now. So you can pick up things from getting close to people, good or bad. Amen. Jesus said to Brother Hagin, many upon whom I have placed this anointing, talking about this tangible healing anointing, he said, many have become money-minded and have lost the anointing. In other words, the motive becomes money not to be a blessing to heal the sick. Now that doesn't mean that it's wrong to pass the bucket and encourage people to give or something like that. And people say, well, you're always preaching about money every service and every Sunday. Yeah, how many times? Let me just, let me just, let me just do, do a little thinking for you and helping you think straight. Do you, you analyze, you go back, I think some of it's recorded. You go back and you analyze how many times we talk about giving as opposed to how many times we talk about God's a good God and He wants to take care of you. I don't talk about giving and tithing near as much as I do the covenant blessing that is yours. See, it's not all give, 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 give. There's a reason for that. It's because that's not our focus. Our focus is to get the word into you and help you to grow in faith so you can rise up and lay hold of what belongs to you. See, if you just pay attention, you'll catch those things. Anyway, this is a little different kind of service, but we're flowing here. Did you get that? Titus said he, he had the same thinking I had about money. Praise God. Now, let's look at some false sons in the Bible. Ham was a false son of Noah. You're saying who? Ham. <laughs> Noah had three sons, Ham, Japheth, and Shaphat, or something. I can't even pronounce them all. After the flood, you remember, the Bible talks about Noah, after the flood, he got drunk. Of course, that's wrong. The Bible preaches against getting drunk. Now, actually, it could be he just fell into sin, got in the flesh, or it could be that because of the difference in atmosphere, things fermented quicker than they should, should have, and he didn't realize it was alcoholic yet. It could, it, that could be. It might just be an innocent mistake. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because the whole atmosphere of the earth changed. It could be that it fermented quicker, and he wasn't aware of how fermented it was or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, it was wrong. <laughs> but what did Ham do? Because remember, they found their father, and he's laying out there naked. He's uncovered, and he's drunk. Well, what did Ham do? Ham called his brothers. said, come look at this. How shameful. Well, what did his brothers do whenever they saw it? They turned backwards, like he's, Noah's laying there, and they got a cloth, and they pulled it backwards, and they wouldn't look on his nakedness. See, they covered him rather than exposed him. They're true sons. Ham is a false son. False sons will get close, find out things that maybe there's, the father is still developing in, in their character in, and go out and say, did you know? Did you know? And tell everybody. Noah, after his stupor wore off, he woke up and found out what happened, and, and Ham was cursed. Now, people have gone into that and said, well, that's this race or that. that that's a bunch of lies. A bunch of lies. It has nothing to do with race. 
Amen. Amen. So Ham was a false son. Here's another false son. Esau was a false son to Isaac. He was in line for the first, the, the, the birthright. But uh, he uh, despised it. He abandoned his inheritance and said, I'm more hungry for a bowl of soup. Remember, uh, Jacob came in, he was hungry. Jacob came in and said, well, uh, you know, if you sell me your birthright, I'll give you something to eat because he's real hungry. He said, oh, what's this birthright? See, birthright back then was not just the money. It was, it was the blessing, the, first, the, the greatest portion of the blessings, what it was. Amen. So he saw natural things as more valuable than spiritual things. That's not a real son who values natural things over spiritual things. Well, it's going to cost me a lot of money to go there when pastor's over there. Oh, you know, I got to be, I got to this. Well, what's more important to you? Amen. Absalom was a false son to David. I want you to go, well, actually, I'm out of time. Let's not go to it, but I'll just give you the references. 2 Samuel 13. Actually, 2 Samuel 13 all the way through the 15th chapter. Um. Tamar, Absalom had a, a sister named Tamar, and uh, her half-brother, Amnon, I believe you pronounce it, was, uh, he, he fell in love with Tamar, and he raped her, set her up, you know, put her in a, a compromising pres- uh, situation and raped her. Well, Absalom didn't think his dad treated everything right. He didn't think he dealt strongly enough with Amnon, who was another son of the king, And so he took it upon himself to deal with the situation himself. In other words, he disagreed with the decision that the father made. And you know what happened. He took it upon himself and he murdered Amnon. Then he, I think for two or three years, he went into another country for a while and gathered together. He kept over there in another country. He kept talking about David. David's bad. David did this. Come over here. Let's join up together. We're going to have a rebellion and an uprising. We're going to attack. We're going to, tr- we're going to go in there. And we're going to take the kingdom. False son. It's awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. And so they did. They attacked. But you remember the story during the attack. Uh, he had some success for a while. He drew some people away from him, away from David and got them gathered around himself. That's a false son. But during the attack, remember, he went under that low branch. And remember, Absalom had long hair and he got caught. And uh, I forget all the details, but you remember there was somebody found out about it and they went over there and stuck him in, put three darts into his heart and he died. What did David do? Did David go, yay? No, David mourned for him. He was sorrowful. He was, he was mournful because he loved him. He was actually trying to get him to come back the whole time. Come back, come back. Let's get, let's get this thing restored. Let's get, let's get back in fellowship. Can you say what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. That's a false son. Now, uh, just because your spiritual father makes a decision that you don't agree with doesn't mean that you have the right now to raise up a posse of the discontented. Amen. And offended. And start, the rallying cry is, he's in error. Guess what I heard? Amen. A lot of these people don't realize that it ends up in death. If it's not physical death, it'll be death of the finances, death of their marriage, or something. Amen. You might be successful for a while, but you understand that there is a lot of trouble coming for that. Amen. Praise God. Those are false sons. Would you get anything out of that? 
So let's look at some characteristics, real quickly, let's look at some characteristics of a true son. Everybody real quickly, let's, let's go through a few things. Would that be all right? A true son loves his spiritual father. He understands all the time and effort he puts into seeking God and to bring forth things that helps him, you know. And he values that. He values that, that, that work that he does. He values the, the covenant relationship that he has with him to get that without having to search it all out himself. Amen. 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 False sons have no real heart for their father. Amen. They're not willing to serve. They're, they're man of God. They'll take advantage of their father's loyalty and then abandon them when they feel it's time to make it on their own. I've saw preachers do that with Brother Hagin. Number two, a true son or a true daughter, you understand, will take the time to be around their father and receive impartations. In other words, their agenda is second place to their spiritual father. That's illustrated in Elisha and Elijah. False sons are more interested in their own activities and what they're doing for God. Amen. Hallelujah. Number three. A true son or daughter does not abandon their father. If, if, a, if another path comes up to a false son, another path for quicker promotion... You know, maybe sidestepping some of the character development that the spiritual father was waiting on to spiritually put somebody in a position of authority. But here's so-and-so, they'll, they'll give it to me right now. And if the opportunity comes to a false son to get promoted without going through the maturing process that the spiritual father sees, a false son will take that. And they'll divide themselves from the father in order to get that promotion. I know a man right now doing that with Brother, uh, Dr. Dufresne. He wanted what Dr. Frayne had, but he didn't have the character. You know, the second time we ever met the man, the Spirit of God spoke to Pastor Debbie and I and said, watch out for him. Don't go to his house. He's inviting you over to his house when you go to California to fellowship. Watch out for him. Something ain't right with him. Somebody said, did we go around talking about it? Nope. It wasn't, the Lord didn't tell us to tell everybody else. The Lord told us to protect us. What the Lord was saying was he's a false son. He's not here for the long haul. He's here just to get the recognition from his dad putting him up on the pulpit. Amen. But that recognition given by another will be short-lived because they circumvented the lineage that God was trying to bring into place. Next one, true sons and daughters do not have hidden motives. Amen. They'll bear their heart without any, you know, it's not just lip service. It's something that they genuinely have in their heart. Amen. And that is really revealed when correction comes. True heart for receiving from a spiritual father is revealed whenever correction comes. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, to save some time, let's go to another one. Spiritual fathers will need the help of their sons and daughters from time to time. And uh, that a spiritual son will truly, a true spiritual son will allow the anointing that's on his life, because they have anointings, praise God, the anointing that's on his life and his prayer life and his finances to be available to his son. I mean, excuse me, to his father. Of course, that works both ways, you understand, but we already covered the other side. Praise God. A true spiritual son's not willing to let his spiritual father struggle. Well, he's, he's uh, just saying, well, bless God, I got everything I need. No, it's a covenant relationship. A true son offers his strength, his anointing, his prayers, everything he's got. Amen. False sons seem to be forgetful. They forget all that the Father's sown into them, so they uh, just launch out whenever they're you know, good and ready. They think they're ready. Praise God. No abandon their man of God. Forget about it. 
Praise the Lord. But we want to learn how to be true. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.